Welcome back to the Pool Pro Podcast. Pool service company SwimCam has been in business for 50 plus years, and they have employees that have been with them for 20, 30, even 35 years. What is their hiring process, and how do they get their employees to stay that long? Learn from this pool service company on this episode of the Pool Pro Podcast. Welcome back to the Pool Pro Podcast. This is Michelle Cavanaugh with co-host. Dave Rockwell's here. Hey, Dave. How's it going, Excited to have, hey, good, do good. How are you doing? Good. Good. Uh, I know there's a lot going on in California right now, which I, we tend to talk about because Dave's always in California, as you know, and I'm a, I happen to be in South Dakota, which is a little crazy right now as well. So we're going to talk to our friend Jerry, who, you know, he may have a political comment or two, and we love that about Jerry, but he is the owner and president <laughs> of Swim Chem in Northern California, the Sacramento area, and also the former chair of the board of the California Pool and Spa Association. So we're excited to have you on, Jerry. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yes. Hey, Jerry. We're excited today because we're going to talk about a subject that many of you, in fact, in, at CPSA, we get emails about this all the time, you know, tools on trying to figure out how to hire somebody. Where do they go? What do they do? I know that there's an apprenticeship program and a workforce development program that's, that's you know, being developed in California that has been approved by the state. We don't know any more details about it at this time, but that's something that potentially will help the California market. And hopefully PHTA takes that model that is being developed in California and takes it national, which would be great to kind of build or, or elevate the professionalism in the service industry. So that's a great way. But Jerry, we wanted to talk to you about this because like I said, it comes up often. When you're out trying to hire, first of all, tell a little bit about your company so they understand the kind of the makeup of the service business that you have. Well, we are a uh, 50 year old company. We had our 50 year anniversary this past March. My father started the company. Um, I bought it from him. My son works in the company. My wife works in the company. Um, We do um, residential only. We don't do commercial work. A large number of um, residential accounts. Um, We do repair work. We do a little bit of remodeling. And on occasion, we will build a pool or two a year. Um, We don't put a lot of focus on that. Um, We work with a, a custom home builder that we know that if the people want a home, or want to pool with the home they're building, then uh, he refers us out for that. Um, but yeah, been been around a long time and had pretty good luck with our with our long term employees. There's always a, a churn of employees at the bottom of the totem pole, if you will, um, right. and that's the that's the hardest part to deal with. Um, and it's an industry wide thing. It's not just the service industry. I mean. The, the, the remodelers, the plastering contractors, the builders, everybody is searching for good employees. And it's harder and harder to find um, the work ethic that, that in particular Dave and I grew up with um, is probably a little bit different today in, in today's uh, younger people. Um, and the government right now with all the stuff going on, making it easier for people to get money and not work um, makes it even that much tougher on us. I mean, let's face it, pool service is not something that's going to make people rich. And a lot of times people don't see it as a, as a career path. Um, And I don't think that a lot of the guys that started with me um, saw it as a career path either, but it's kind of grown into that. I've got, you know, one guy that's been with me for 34 years Another guy is going to hit 30 this spring. Um, 
then another guy's going to hit 30 in the summertime. And then I've got, you know, some guys that just still run routes. And those, those guys have, you know, advanced up into management areas. And I got a couple of route men that are pushing 20 years um, just as a, a route service technician. So um, a lot of it is, is finding the right people. And how do you do that? That's the $24,000 right. question. And trust me, I don't have all of the answers to that. Um, where to search. Um, we usually try to start at um, existing employees and look for referrals. Oh, that's uh, a good idea. Of, of people. Yeah. Because they know, they know what the job entails. They know what we're looking for as a company and an employee. And, and they know their friends, they know their relatives and, and such of who might be a fit. So that's always our first option whenever we're getting ready to start the hiring process is letting the existing employees know that we are. Um, that's a great way to do it. They, they Even if they are one puller or something and just trying to you know, hire their first employee, they could go out to their network of friends and say, hey, do you guys know anybody looking for a job? you know, an entry-level position, that may be a good way to start because at least then, you know, usually a family, a friend is not going to, you know, suggest somebody that's a, that's a horrible person. <laughs> exactly. And, 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 and given today's times and all that's going on, you know, there's a lot of people out there that might be interested. And like I said, they, they don't always view pool service as a career path, but it can be. And once they get involved, they may find that out. So, it may start out as just a temporary short-term, you know, helper type of situation for a one polar. And as he grows his business in, into a second route, that helper now has his own route and that frees the owner up to concentrate on repairs or doing a half a route and repairs or whatever. And then you just continue to stair-step the company up in size. Um, yeah, that's, that's a great way to go right there. So it seems to me like if you're if you're just a, a single pole guy and you you start to grow pick up more and more work and you, you there there's a, a point in time where you you kind of have to have the capital to keep the business going while you pay an employee and a um, do you have any any when you when the when your business was young and was being built uh, how did how did you get it there from here? We. I wasn't involved at that stage by the time I came in, you know, because th this business started in 1970. I graduated in 1979 and we probably had three or 400 accounts at that point in time, whenever I, uh, I came in and, and started working full time here. Um, so I, I, I couldn't address that capital concern uh, other than at the time my dad also had a, a second business that was a construction contractor, pool construction contracting firm. Um, so he was getting money out of that as well as making money, you know, from the service company as far as capital goes. But, um, you know, again, we're back to the employee, in my opinion, because they're the key to everything that, that any company is able to do. You're only as good as, as your lowest common denominator, if you will. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Right. Um, yeah. But if you can trust the lower end people um, to do their jobs right and to give them as much work as they can possibly do, and maybe a little bit more and reward them 
for that, um, that's a way to get to that point. If you have, you know, two or three routes and, and those guys are maxing out totally on their days and earning some overtime, which is a good thing for them, not necessarily always the best thing for the company, but you know, if you're able to grow the company, it is a good thing if you have to pay the overtime. And then you can take a little bit off of each of those three routes. And now you have a new route for a new employee um, all set to go. Right. So that's, that's how we've done it in the past. That's how we kind of still do it today is routes grow, you know, customers come on, they go on whatever route they go on because it's all geographic. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and you go and you put as much on as that guy can get done in a day's time without killing him, you know, and then it's like, okay, we got to take some pulls off and you try and find two or three pull or two or three routes close enough together uh, to, to lop a few pulls off and start that second route. Yeah. My so, question too, with the, oh, go ahead, Dave, I'm sorry. No, I, I, go ahead. I was going to say, as far as the capital side, we've had um, a guest, Pat Wally on the podcast before, who basically talks to you about trying to build capital. So when you need it um, or build a reserve, if you will, so that when you need to, to, to grow or scale, that you have the ability to do that. So go back and listen to that episode that we did with Pat Wally on the Pool Pro podcast. And his contact information is there as well. He'll do a free consultation with you. He's really good at that as far as helping you build capital to be able to grow your business. So, so consider that. I, he's a customer, Michelle. I, can I only, know. I, I can only have certain <laughs> conversations with him. <laughs> that is the but, truth. But, but yeah, and, and on the capital side, the other thing that we do is, you know, there's lots of different philosophies. Some people believe in the philosophy of if you're in business that you pay yourself first and then you pay your bills. <clears throat> I can't say I've ever really gone that route. But um, we pay all of our bills first and, and I get paid last um, usually. And even before I get paid, um, we have a, a, a separate money market account that gets paid. It gets paid every week when we do payroll. Uh, a certain percentage of, you know, goes into that, into that money market account. Um, and so we build up that separate reserve. It's emergency reserve. Uh, capital reserve, whatever you want to put on it. But we have money set aside in the bank outside of our normal operating bank account that gives us the ability to do things. And, and you know, it's, it's harder for a smaller company to do that. But the, yeah. the capital needed by a smaller company is less than the capital needed by a bigger company. Right. Um, so it's, it's all relative. If you pick a number that you can live with and, and put that in. If my gross sales are X, I'm going to take 3% or 5% or whatever it is that works for your particular situation and put it into a separate account and out of sight, out of mind. I mean, it's not going to, it's not going to grow very fast. And, you know, there's, there's not much interest being paid on the money that's put away, but it's just being disciplined to know that it's there if I have to have it for something and not dipping into it for things that you shouldn't be dipping into it for. Right. Absolutely. Money management is a whole nother topic that we could discuss for days because that's, <laughs> if you're not good with money, you're not going to be good with money just because you have more money. So the point, the point of the whole thing is, is, you know, you know, taking some, some courses or some of those, I don't know, my mom used, was a big follower of, um, oh gosh, what's his name? 
he does this. You know, Dave Ramsey? yes, thank you. My mom followed Dave Ramsey and she thinks that his program is the best, but I don't know. I don't know. I haven't taken it myself, so I can't tell you, but she paid off all of her bills and all of her debt using Dave, Dave Ramsey. So, you know, finding something so you can make sure that you're managing your money well is also really important because that helps you do exactly what Jerry's talking about. Yeah, that's well, the hardest thing. I, I think um, I, I see so many of the guys uh, that are we're in contact with on social media that are just on a treadmill. They're working six, seven days a week. They're, they're frazzled, they're overwhelmed, and they just really don't have the time or they don't take the time to invest in learning about business and, and learning about how to run their, their business properly. And they, they end up leaving all this money on the table and they're, they're constantly looking at um, where their next few dollars are coming from off of a, off of what they're doing in, in far as physical work, but uh, they're, they're not, they're they're just not able to get off of that they uh, they can't um they're just trapped it seems like yep and they're not the only ones that's i think that's a common thing dave for a lot of families and businesses and entrepreneurs i think that's common i don't think that's a unique thing just to us for sure we need to do a podcast so then you were saying so we i was going to say dave we need to do a podcast on that kind of money management 101 and getting your building yourself up, we need to do a podcast on that. Mm-hmm. So you were saying, so Jerry, if you, to bring in employees, you you know usually go out to your network first of of colleagues and friends, and then do you use a particular platform or anything to try to hire outside of that? Yeah, and and, and one thing I've done very sparingly, but um, and, and it's a, a personal thing for me is I prefer hiring people with no experience actually. Uh, I'd rather train them with no knowledge than have to retrain them from what they think is the right way to do things. I want people to know and understand the swim chem way of doing things. And that's all that they, they know. Um, but one way of, of recruiting employees, and I don't feel bad about it, is um, just putting up something at the wholesalers if, if they have their bulletin boards, you know, that you're hiring. So whenever people are in there, if they take a gander up at the, the board and they see, oh, Swim Kim's hiring, uh, they may make a call. But it's, it's not like I'm out poaching employees. I'm not walking up to, you know, some other pool guy, in a, you know, in, in somebody's front yard as they're getting ready to go in. Um, I just did an advertisement and they saw it and they called me. Right. Uh, but, but that's worked in the past a couple of times. Um, outside of that, I, I try and avoid Craigslist. Me too. Uh, you know, Craigslist, you know, you get what you get and apologies to any Craigslist people, but you know, that's usually the economy side of things, if you will. Um, and, and that's what we found in people that come in to fill out applications off of Craigslist. Um, Indeed is the one that we have been using more recently. Um and that's, you get a whole mixed bag of people that are so overqualified, it's insane um, to the point of, okay, that's somebody that's looking to get into the pool, you know, pool service job so they can start their own business because based on their history, they've, <laughs> you know. Probably- the other thing I found with, I've heard from somebody, Jerry, recently is what you could do in that situation 
is to give them a project. So when you're in, as part of your actual um, posting on Indeed, you give them some sort of project. So it could be, I don't know, a question that they have to answer and send in, or it could be do this or do that or whatever, some sort of project where they have to follow instructions because you can basically eliminate the people who don't follow instructions right away. First of all, like, you know, if they can't follow the instructions on your posting, then they're out. And then if they don't do whatever you're asking them to do, I don't know what it would be for pool service. I'm just thinking out loud here, but something, it could be, you know, some example of something that you want them to do. And then you just review the people that did that correctly and see and bring those folks in for an interview. Well, you know, what, pool, what you said is, is a lot of it. It's, it's following instructions, pro. you know, because, yeah. you know, after somebody is hired and trained here, you know, they're, they're going to be out on their own. We don't have yeah. two person trucks at our company. Um, it, it's one person out there. So we have to trust that they can go out there and work number one by themselves all day long. I mean, there's days where you don't see a customer at all, especially in the wintertime when it's, you know, cold and wet outside. Um, you, you don't see anyone. Actually, the dogs become your friends and you find yourself talking to the dogs. Um, and ho- hopefully they're not answering you back, but there's been days where I swear that they did, uh, you know, but they have to be able to stay focused and, and be independent enough um, to do that. So putting some tasks into that on, on Indeed, and, and there is a provision in that where you can definitely do that. Yeah, um, that that is a good way to, to get a little bit of insight on that. So, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then once you hire them, do you have a, did you have a question about that, Dave? Sorry. No. OK, once you hire folks on, then what is your strategy to kind of help them grow into the position, Jerry? Well, for starters, when whenever they start here, um, the first thing they go through is they have two weeks, uh, totally two full weeks of running with somebody and usually all the time, I'm just going to say this all the time when we hire somebody new, it's to do water chemistry only. Okay. Cause we have designated water chemistry maintenance routes. And then we have routes where we do the cleaning and that's usually a step up um, in the processes. So the lowest entry level position is just doing water chemistry maintenance. So they have two, two full weeks of training, writing with somebody, somebody showing them what our processes are, how we do it. And then they start doing it throughout the day and they work up to where they're doing the whole day um, over during the first couple of days, three days in, they should be pretty much doing everything. Um, we have other in-house trainings that we do as far as water chemistry stuff and on our processes, all the basic trainings that any new employee would have to go through, you know, with the employee handbook and and whatnot, um, safety procedures, you know, all of those types of things. All of that's usually done within the first two to three weeks. Most of the time, the the infield training is two weeks. Sometimes, depending on the time of year and the need, it can go three weeks or four, but we try to cram it into two weeks when when we have the time to be able to do that. And then they start start out on their own. And they have a supervisor that oversees their route. They will check the route book. We're a little bit old school. Okay, a lot old school. We're, we don't do all the technology stuff. I, 
I don't trust giving my guys a tablet uh, to be next to the poolside doing water chemistry entries and, and with the chemistry and the rain and all that sort of stuff. So we have a route book and in the route book, it has a card for every customer and they physically with an old fashioned ink pen, write down the test results and, you know, what chemicals were added and the supervisors then review that, um, you know, make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And we have weekly meetings with the employees. Um, and then, uh, you know, obviously in two weeks time, you're not going to teach them everything they need to know about, um, you know, pool equipment and whatnot. That's a never ending job as we all know. Right. Um, but on the chemistry chemical route only their necessity for knowledge is a lot less. Um, they're not having to clean the pool, uh, doing that sort of stuff, but you know, they have to know how to empty the baskets, turn the pumps on and off and understand the different controllers and the automatic chlorinators, you know, that there are and how they interact. And, uh, part of that, we periodically, uh, review that during our weekly meetings with them. Um, and then they, they just progress. And the more questions they ask, the more we like them. If they're not asking questions, um, it's like, you don't have any questions, <laughs> you know, what's wrong <laughs> what's with going you? on in your brain. Yeah. Why don't you want to learn more? Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and that's always a part of it. You know, who's going to want to be around for a while because they're always seeking more information. And they're the ones then that can potentially step into a full service route and, you know, the longer they're there, the more they learn about the equipment and learn about tearing filters apart and cleaning filters and, you know, doing some of those basic things that would be what would be done on a route. And in our particular case with our business, our even our full service technicians do very little repair work. The chemical route guys, they don't do any repairs. The full service guys, they may do a minor, small pool cleaner repair. Um, obviously they'll clean filters. Um, but outside of that, they're really not doing too much on the repair end of things. That's what our repair department's for. You know, right. if, if, if our route full service route guy has an hour or so a day to spend doing repairs, that's another pool that could be on his route, you know, and that's what they're there for. Um, and it's uh, from a financial standpoint, I'd rather have them pumping out pools being cleaned or, or chemically treated and then having the, the repair department go out and taking care of the repairs because there, there's a lot more training that those guys have, a lot more experience that they have. And that's something else that you can charge the customer more for. Um, you know, if the, if the route guy has to stop and do a repair, then you end up, if, if you're able to charge the customer a certain amount for a repair, he's already on site. So you lose the argument of a service call, if you will, because he was already there. So you're getting 20 or 30 bucks for a half an hour of his time. Um, you know, I, I can do better than that with him servicing pools and then having my repair guy that's yeah far better trained yeah. and far better equipped because you can only put so much stuff on a route truck between the chemicals and the cleaning equipment. And where do you have room for parts? My yeah. repair trucks are designed not to run routes. They're designed to do repairs. They got a utility bed on them, parts like crazy. Um, so hopefully they're able to go out and take care of things. And, 
and, and, and that's the next progression up from being a, a full service technician. You know, if you, if you learn enough and, and you're willing to further your, you know, training through other sources, you know, manufacturers training, um, PHTA trainings, you know, different things like that. You know, then you get to the point where you can be a, a full-time repairman as long as A, we have the opening and B, we have enough business to support another person in that position. Um, and I have all three of my current repair guys in in Sacramento and my both of my guys in, in uh, the Tracy office started out um, as service technicians. And they've grown into doing full service and then eventually into repairs. So and all they have that C-53, guys, is that right, Jerry? Our company has a C-53 contractor's license. The oh, individuals do not. The okay. company, I do. Gotcha. I, I, I'm the one with the with the contractor's license. And and we have a C-53 and a C-8, which is uh, concrete. So technically, I could pour decks and pour concrete if I wanted to. Which I oh, I really, see. Really don't want to. <laughs> what you get on there, Jerry, I think is is the biggest challenge that uh, the single pole guys have is is repairs. Nothing ruins the momentum of a day like having to break off and, and start doing repairs because you never know what you're going to find. You never know how long it's going to take. Not only screws up your day, but can, can change your whole week. So um, sure. that's, that's uh I, I like that idea of as you grow your company to, to separate out the repairs. Yeah. Um, well, and that's where, you know, when you, when you make that first hire, you know, you make that first hire potentially if you're a one polar as, is hiring a helper uh, to assist you. And so for a month or two months or whatever it may take, you know, you're essentially training him to be your own replacement. Um and then once you feel comfortable with him and then it's okay, now how do we get this guy into a vehicle of his own with equipment of his own? So, you know, you're into either the, you know, and getting into the law here, you know, where in California anymore, it, you really have to be an employee and not yep. an independent contractor. So if, if I'm an employee, I don't want to be driving my own truck. Um, so I want a company vehicle. So then it's, it's fine in a vehicle. And you know what, when you're starting out, you know, you, you, you go buy a used beater, you and, do, you know, as long as it's <laughs> as long as it's not so bad that it doesn't represent your company. Well, you know, you put that person in that, in that vehicle and maybe he, while he's learning, he can only do half or two thirds of the route and you got to do a half or one third of the route, but that leaves you the rest of that day to do repairs. Yes. You know, and that's where things start to click because, you know, the repeat business of the service is our bread and butter as, as, as our company. Um, but the, the repair work is the gravy, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's the nice thing there. And that's the thing I think is <laughs> single polar um, you rush from pool to pool and you end up missing little things that you should be fixing and charging for. And you leave an enormous amount of money on the table. You don't even have to grow your route. Just take, just, just get the pools that you have in really good shape. And, and there's, there's a lot of money there. So I just ha having that employee to clean the pool 
while you can put your eyes on the rest of the the equipment and everything else that is, is um, that's you know, that, a, that's, that's, that's a great way to start. You're, really you're exactly, is. you're exactly right. Because like you said, you know, nothing can ruin a day more than as a one polar going out there and, and having to run into a repair and that repair running into an hour or more potentially. Yeah. Then what happens to the rest of that day's route? I mean, yes. with our customers, we're, very, very adamant about being there on a day. You know, if your service day is Tuesday, we're going to be there on Tuesday. We can't guarantee you the time, but generally speaking, it's going to be in the same general time frame. But, you know, when you run into that repair and it takes you an extra hour, um, or if you have two of those in a day, I mean, is going back an option if you have the capabilities of doing it while you're there? probably better to do it while you're there, but what's it do to the rest of that day? Mm-hmm. You know, at some point you got to call a day a day and maybe what happens if you don't get to those two or three pools at the end of the route, then you got to do them the next day. That's the start of your next day. Um, and playing yep. catch up, then you're rushing. And then how good of a job are you actually doing? You know, not to mention that it takes care of the whole issue if you're sick or something too, Jerry, you know, I mean, it's rough if you're if you're a member of Ipsa. I guess you can use the uh, you know the sick route coverage or whatever. But if you're sick or something, you know, and you're down with the flu or whatever, I mean, your week is shot. So I mean, it'd be nice well, that, if you have. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Dave. Sick route coverage isn't going to help you out if you have the flu. That's a that's for catastrophic if you're down for hmm. a period of time surgery or. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, we we don't we don't cover each other's pools just because you got sniffles. So what do you do then if you're sick and like bedridden or you have the flu or something really, you're sick for, you know, two, three, four days, what happens? You just don't go service those pools. Usually, usually customers are, are, uh, conciliatory about that. They, mm-hmm. They'll, they'll cut you a break. The most important thing I've found is communicate with the customers and just say, look, I'm really sick today. Uh, chances are, especially now with, the whole COVID thing. Uh, they, they, if you're sick, they don't want you on their property. Right. <laughs> so right. They're more, more than likely going to cut you some slack. Gotcha. Yeah. Communication's the big deal, you know. So Jerry, have you had any um, incidences, any, anybody, anybody that's caught the, 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 uh, the COVID virus in your company? Oh. Nope. No, no employee illnesses at either of our two locations. Um, we've had a couple of customers that said that they had uh, had been exposed, and, and I think one uh, had said that they had tested positive. And they like, okay, stay inside. Don't come outside. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, don't, don't come near us. And, you know, that's our biggest thing, you know, and it, and it always has been. I mean, when this all started back in the early spring, you know, we made lots of different adjustments to, to what we did and how we did it, both in the office and in the field, gave everybody masks. But, you know, we're outside and doing what yep. we're doing is still a little bit physical. And and so yep. masks are not that convenient. And uh, but the guys all have them and, you know, tell them if people are out, you know, be respectful. Yeah. Yeah. But don't let them get, just try and keep spacing. And, and, you know, we've had a few customers have been a little bit testy about why don't you have a mask on? Why don't you have a mask on? Well, you're 20 feet away. 
you know, <laughs> you're not even stepping out of the house. You opened up the sliding door, yeah. you know, and I, <laughs> I, I'm way over here. I, I think we're within we're the protocols okay. here. Yes. Well, I want you to put a mask on in my backyard. Okay, ma'am. So put your mask on, you know, yeah, just that, don't, don't be confrontational. You, you uh, the, the mask, when you're alone and outdoors, the mask is for other people's comfort. It's not for you, for your health. I, I, I mean, we've talked to people early on in the, in, in the conversation or in the, uh, early on in the pandemic, we talked to Roy Vore and a couple other people that are pretty up to speed on how uh, viruses and illnesses work. And um, the, the one thing about this virus is it's very easy to kill. Uh, UV, sunlight, soap and water. You don't need heavy duty industrial hand sanitizers. Soap and water will kill it. Um, it's easy to spread, but it's, but it's easy to kill too. So um, I, I've been outdoors throughout this whole thing. And as long as I'm not around people, I'm, I feel pretty confident that that I'm safe breathing fresh air and, and being out in the sunshine. Right. Yeah, I'm I am too. And and my guys too, they look at me and roll their eyes. You know, <laughs> it was like this morning, for example, because you know, a lot of Northern California got put back into the dreaded purple tier. Um, yeah, we did too down here. yesterday. So and and part of the you know guidelines that came out was reemphasizing the you know, mask wearing anytime you're outdoors. But then the next line says, you know, when you're within six feet of somebody. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, well, you know, That's the part everybody on. forgets. So <laughs> I made sure that uh, we handed out new masks um, again to everybody um, today. And they, again, they looked at me and I got my old mask. I said, well, here's a new one for you. And they're washing their old one, you know, yeah. and, <laughs> And it's like, well, here's a brand, here's a brand new one for you. You want a gator instead? I'll give you a gator <laughs> one. So you can wear it around your neck and it's starting to cool down up here in the North. So uh, the little extra uh, neck warmth didn't hurt. So I had a lot of takers on the gator this morning. That's, that's something that nobody thinks about, or a lot of people don't is, is keeping their mask clean. Um, I, I do know of a, actually a healthcare worker back in Michigan at, at the facility my mom is in got Legionnaire's disease from her mask. Wow. So keeping, keeping the mask clean, keeping it bacteria free. Yes. Uh, there, there's Agreed. even worse things to catch than, than this virus. And, and uh, the mask can actually contribute to that if you don't use it properly. Keep it clean. Right. Yep. Yep. So Jerry, I was going to ask, so then how do you, you said earlier in the podcast that you've got employees that have been with you for 15, 17, 30 years. What are you doing with those with those employees to make them want to stay with you that long? How are you helping them feel valued and, and you know, ed educating them? What are you doing with those folks? I shackle them to a big pole out in the yard every night. <laughs> Overnight. <laughs> they got a, there's a water trough out there and a big feeding bowl. <laughs> no, it, it is. It's about respecting. It's about respecting people. Uh, respecting your employees and, and treating them well and thinking of them, you know, um, we have paid vacations um, that escalate with your time served. Um, we pay a fair rate. 
Um, it, it's, you know, always, we've always paid above minimum wage starting out. Um, we continue to do that even with the escalating minimum wage here in California up on its way to 15. Um, so the, the customers have to understand that what that means. If, if I'm paying my, my newest, newest hire this wage, um, that means my guy that's been here for a year or two has to get a raise too. You know, every time yeah. the minimum wage goes up, it doesn't just affect the, the, the new entry level people, you know, cause then the guy that's been here for two years, he's too close to the guy that's been here for four years and, right. and so on up the food chain all the way up until it gets to, to me, because I don't get that, that raise uh, that everybody else got usually. Um, but that's just part, part of it is, is treating people fairly and recognizing them and, and taking care of them. Um, and, and you're exactly right. That's why they've been here for 15, 30 years is because we do treat them fairly. And that's the key word. We have expectations and we set those expectations out. And for that, we're, they know and they're communicated to back to the communication word, uh, you know, what we're going to pay. And, right. and we take care of them. And then this year, being what it is um, with all of the the issues we've had to deal with. Um, I've given out three rounds of bonuses this year so far um, because my guys, we didn't miss a day at work with all this stuff, this COVID stuff. Um, we were out going full, full bore. So my guys were out there on the front lines, if you will, granted not encountering as many people as a grocery store worker does or, or whatever, but um, they were still out there, out there doing it. So we felt we needed to recognize that. Yeah. Do you do you find? Because uh, I'm working with a, uh, there's a couple of friends of mine down here that are um, in the process of getting their business legitimized. They they're uh, putting all their employees on payroll. They're getting company trucks. They're they're getting themselves set up. There's a tremendous expense involved in that. And a lot of the, the, the majority of the competitors down here are paying their guys as subs and they're sending guys to a 70 foot long vanishing edge pool dangling a hundred feet over the Canyon with no workman's comp. Um, and, and, the, the, the competition here is, is not doing things the right way and do, they're, they're charging accordingly. So it's a challenge to, uh, to make that transition to start doing things the right way. Do you face competition from, from the people who are uh, paying their, their people as subs and, and kind of not doing things the right way? Just for the last 50 years, Dave. <laughs> I, mean, I was expecting a much different answer, Jerry. So thank you. <laughs> we have <laughs> never hired our route personnel or repair personnel as independent contractors. They have always been hired as an employee and we've always paid workers comp on them. We've always paid, you know, all of the requirements that go along with, with being an employee. Um, to protect them. And that's also part of the recruitment part 
you know, whenever we're putting something on Indeed or whatever platform we may use, you know, that we are hiring employees and we have workers comp and benefits, health insurance, all of that sort of stuff. So um, I have been between a rock and a hard place in, in my career over the last many years that I was involved with SPEC and CPSA in that the largest portion of our industry didn't do things the way I did. And I always objected to it because I've been of the position, not only was it the morally right thing to do as far as hiring employees, um, but it was also the legal thing to do because I don't think even the with the change in the law because of AB5 and whatnot, I don't think that the old 12 or 14 point test that was, you know, the deciding factor, I don't think anybody could legitimately pass that test either. No, um, they just, they just can't. Um, and if they are then good for them and they are legitimately uh, hiring independent contractors. But at that point, you're more like a business broker than you are a, uh, and you know, right. a business, right? Uh, because you've given up all of your control to those individuals, determine what, when, where, and how. Because if you told them what, when, where, or how, they just became an employee. Um, so that was the hard part for me in, in my involvement with the trade associations was, you know, understanding that that's the way most of the industry is, and it's a negative effect on my business because I am paying all of those additional costs and it is hard, but it is the right thing. And when I said it's the morally right thing, I'm not saying the other thing is immoral or anything, as long as people are fully disclosing to their people doing the work for them, that this is a situation. I don't pay workers comp on you. You know, I don't pay, into this or that or the other. You're not getting health insurance from me. Those are all your responsibility. And I think yeah. it's something the customer should know. Sure. If the customer says, well, you know, I can save 10 bucks a month by having somebody come that doesn't have workers comp and isn't an employee. It's a little sketchy, but you know, if it's $10 a month, I'd like to save that. Or Until they get hurt on their property. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, be fair, let the customer make that call. But the, 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 we have a, an industry that's dominated by guys who are kind of pirates doing things the wrong way. Right. And as, as that becomes more and more evident, it, it lowers people's opinion of our entire industry. And, and that's one thing I've always really respected about SPEC and then now CPSA is they, did, they weren't there to just fight every law that came down the pike. They, they actually supported laws that made sense and, and elevated our industry and the, the contractor's license law and, and um, laws that, that help the, require a business to operate the right way. Uh, those aren't bad laws. Correct. Right. And, and, and to that end, um, back to the employee versus independent contractor deal, um, you know, that's part of why I think that my guys have been with me for 15, 20, 30 years is because we had workers' compensation. So when they got injured, um, and, and I'm not going to say that you're going to 
or I am going to say, you're probably going to pay for some things that, that aren't really a work-related injury, you know, but that just goes to being part of the system, number one, mm-hmm. uh, and the system in California. But two, it, it also, in you know, puts you in a relationship with those employees that's even better. I mean, how does one truly determine how or what the incident was that they got a hernia. Uh, you right. know, that's yeah. something that can come in many different ways, but you know, it happens and, and you deal with it. You work with your employee, you work through it and he's, you know, got some income coming through the deal. His medical's taken care of. Um, so they know that we're there and we're behind them. And, you know, the raises we, or the, not the raises, the bonuses this year. Like I said, we've given three three rounds of bonuses already, and they're going to get another another bonus. Their their end of year Christmas right. bonus, whatever gift, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. You know, the first week or two of December, they'll get that. So that's four extra extra payments that they're that they're going to be getting um, this year. Um, and, and I know they appreciate it because they tell me they appreciate it. That's the other good thing. You know, if you establish a line of communication, your employees are not afraid to talk to you. Okay. And, and, and in today's world, uh, many of our, our employees don't get their paychecks anymore. As far as a hard paper check, it's just an automatic deposit into their account. Right. And, you know, we did the last round of deposit of uh, bonuses we did on an off payroll day. So they showed up in their account on, on a different day and it's like, Hey, what's that? Thanks. That, you know, is that another bonus? Thanks. For Shocker. The, yeah. Thanks for the extra. Cause they, they didn't expect to see that on Friday. Um, you know, whenever they got into their checking account to look at it. So um, those are good things. Take care of your people because if you find a good one, it's way cheaper to keep a good one than it is to try and, you know, recruit, hire and train a new one. Yes. Um, because you, you never know how that works out. And it, it, it usually takes you several tries of, uh, you know, hiring a guy and that guy failing or gal failing um, two or three times before you find one that'll stick to replace the one you lost. So it's just a lot better to try and work with them and keep them. Agreed. You're saying that's about the average of uh, people who stick about maybe one out of four stay with it. That's probably pretty fair. And then, and then, how many are actually hireable out of uh, out of the applications? Those are just the ones that qualify to get that. <laughs> you know, and, and 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 the worst part is, is you know, this technology is a great thing when it works, as always. Yeah. But when you advertise for a job position on Indeed or any of the other platforms, you know, you're going to get lots of inquiries. You're going to get a lot of inquiries, and then you contact them to schedule an interview and. And many of them will schedule an interview. And then, and then don't show up. 20, 30% of those people that accepted in an interview an interview actually show up for the interview. Yeah. And then how many and that's of those why they are, have a that's why you have something where they have to follow instructions, Jerry, and make give them some true. sort of project. You know, true. kind of weed out those folks that aren't real serious because they're not going to put the effort in if they don't think they're going to show. In no. my opinion, I could be wrong, but no, I think you're right. You know, I think you're right. Make them jump through a hoop or something and make sure they're interested. Yep. It's a good call. You know, 
Well, thank you so much, Jerry, for coming on today. We appreciate it. This is good information. I think out of this, Davis, I think we need to do a money management podcast. Yeah. And I also need to think we need to um, outline the actual costs to bringing on a new employee because I don't think they realize what the costs are in regards to doing what Jerry's saying and doing it the legal and morally right way with the workers' comp and the other insurance and if you're going to have to buy a new truck and all that stuff that goes along with it. I think it'd be good for somebody who's potentially thinking about growing to really know what that would be. So that, thank you for that, Jerry. It's good information. Yeah, thanks, Jerry. Sure. Glad to do it. Anytime, anytime you guys want to chat, you know how to get a hold of me. Yes. Well, thank you so much. This is valuable. And that's, that's exciting that you have employees that have been on for that, that long, because that obviously means you're doing something right. Thank you. It is. Yes. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye-bye. A new voice in the industry, a resource for all, education for you. This is Pool Pro Podcast. Build relationships and share important news as we get ready for our next backyard adventure. Pool Pro Podcast, backyard adventures are better together. Please take a moment to share, like, and review our content with all of those that would be interested.